0: If you have summer goals and don't want to sacrifice great tasting beer, but do want to go without the effects of the alcohol, try Athletic Brewing. They're the makers of the world's best non-alcoholic craft beer for athletes. Also, CS Instant Coffee. If you're a coffee fan like me, you'll want to have good coffee in the backcountry or in places that it's hard to make a fresh cup. Give their single serve 100% 100% Arabica coffee packets, a try. Discounts for both of those in the show notes.
1: I find it really interesting how standing up and playing a musical instrument in a, in a little village in Spain, to many people, sounds as scary as getting on a bike and cycling across a continent, if not more so. And it really gets into the heart of the stuff that so often stops us doing the adventures we want to do. This is the
0: Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rentals. You can check them out at campcrate.net. I am very excited about today's episode because uh, Alistair Humphreys is one of my biggest inspirations, and I'm going to mention that in the show. One of the biggest reasons I did my first bike trip, he's an adventurer, he's an author, and a motivational speaker. And his first big adventure, and what he 's really really known for is completing a four year bicycle journey around the world uh, he He was the national geographic adventure of the year in two thousand and twelve and that four year journey was forty six thousand miles crazy and He is also responsible for the the rise of the idea and the terminology behind micro adventures, which are short local um, accessible adventures to every normal day life. And what what I love about Alistair, he, when he did this trip, it was right around, um, 2001. So, you know, social media wasn't really a thing then. Um, so many things were, were just not the way they are now. And so he's been able to kind of his career his career has taken off because of this in the sense like his life is different because of this trip. He's built a career out of the outdoors. So we're talking more about that career and what his life is like now and what it's kind of gone through. But he's done other things like he ran, um, he did a 150 mile race foot race across the Sahara Desert where he broke his foot, but he still completed the event he has rode across the English channel to raise a million dollars for a nonprofit. He has rode across the Atlantic ocean. I mean, just crazy stuff. And then in, uh, a few years ago he he had a film come out called "Into the Empty Quarter," which documented his walk across the empty quarter desert with Leon McCarran and he's just an absolute quintessential British explorer, but it, you know modern turn you know modern day so it's more of adventure based than it is exploration in today's world. but he's a pleasure to talk to uh, the 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 conversation is mostly around his career, but there are a great great documentation films, YouTube videos about his previous trips and just how awesome they were. You know, adventure does not have to be enormous. It just has to be wild. It has to be, has to include a few ingredients. And he proves that by talking about his most recent adventure, which was busking like, uh, um, street performing. If you don't know what that means, I didn't, uh, across Spain where he would street perform for money to pay for moving on to the next place. And he did that because it's totally out of his comfort zone and he's a, terrible musician so it was uh it was an adventure to say the least and so i'm so stoked to do this episode and hope you enjoy and have a great weekend
1: where are you where are you calling me from today
0: i'm supposed to ask you that question i'm 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 coming from denver colorado that's home Okay. Yeah.
1: I I uh, I briefly was there um, a year or so ago doing a talk. I did one talk in a Boulder and then one talk in a very boring um, hotel in Denver. um, A flying visit.
0: Oh really? Wow. Well, was it just a speaking engagement?
1: Yeah. So just and luckily, I managed to tie together two companies to into one plane trip which was good oh, um yeah, it was just a brief visit but
0: that's awesome man that's great and so so where are you coming from today
1: uh i'm in a little shed in my garden um where i work it's ju- just outside london how far um well about half an hour on the train so um not not really in the wilderness unfortunately but it's quite a convenient place to be Um, And I have a nice post-it note in front of me now saying, climb a tree, because on the first of every month, I go and climb the same tree um, near to where I live, a big, huge, old oak tree. Um, And I'm doing it uh, once a month throughout the year. And May today, this is the first time there's going to be green leaves on it. So I'm really looking forward to that when we finish our talk. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Oh,
0: gosh. So is that part of your uh, micro-adventure campaign?
1: Yeah, sort of. It's just I've I've realised that I like doing things that kind of measure out a year, whether that's the seasons or once a month. And something like climbing a tree every month, you see how the obviously the tree changes through the year, but also it's just a chance for me to think about how my last month went and think what I'm going to do the next month, and just be a bit more observant of time passing. Plus, I get to climb a tree <laughs> like right. a kid. Now, and I'm sure that doesn't take too much time either. Well, exactly. It's literally uh, well, it's about 5 minutes to my house. I climb the tree, sit there for 5-10 minutes and come home and I it's already it's becoming a genuine highlight of my year now. Um I I climb to the same point each time and take a photo in the same place you can see how the the tree is changing. Um so it's a nice a nice progression through the year.
0: I have a mountain right behind my house and you know I, I know we're going to talk about it but i love i love the micro adventures you know it, we interview a lot of people from the uk on this show almost every single one of them mentions the word micro adventures oh really yes well i need
1: i need to start trademarking this making i'm some, telling making you some cash
0: another another <laughs> revenue stream right there man you copyright infringement um yeah. <laughs> but I'm not,
1: I'm not sure that's quite the spirit of the game is right, it? right. Not suing people suing people's ass
0: i i what i love about it is that these activities like that you know you just kind of in the busyness and the how serious life is you just kind of neglect little things like that like i can't possibly take time away from all these meetings to go climb a freaking tree there's, you know what I mean? That seems so. Can you imagine opening up some businessman's journal to see that pinned down?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's but actually it's, it's the people, the people who think that they are too busy to do that, who actually need to do it the most, isn't it? They're the people for whom it could be a real genuine transformative experience.
0: Yeah. Like there's a small hill behind our house. It climbs maybe a thousand feet, maybe 800 feet in a couple miles and my friend's a financial advisor downtown and his job sounds terrible to me. I mean, it sounds like just <laughs> meeting with rich people all day and, you know, kissing their butts all day. And and, and we go and climb <laughs> this and we see deer and elk and we see the white covered white capped mountains all behind Denver. And, uh, it's right outside. I mean, it's right. It's in town, but, he had it had been so long since he'd done something like that. It was. It felt like we were, you know, trekking in the Himalayas. It was awesome. Nice. That was just last week, so. Oh, nice. Oh, it's
1: incredible. Be, yeah, it's nice to try and build up the habit of those things as a way for a chance to hang out regularly as well, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. So, man, I, I don't even know where to start. Now, I want to say thank you, first of all. Your, uh, your first bike trip inspired me to do my first, uh, which was oh, cool three three months now, three months long. It was Alaska to Florida, just over a summer, over a university, a year in university, and my best friend and I, and man, it, it kicked off this entirely different trajectory in life I never expected, leading, you know, to this podcast and a number of other things, so uh, thanks for your influence in that.
1: Oh, nice. When I, um, when I cycled up America, I found it so hard to decide which route to take, because you know, you go up the West Coast, you go up the East Coast, you go up the middle, you get, it's like being in three different, completely different worlds. So I I like your, did you go diagonally across? Yes, com-
0: straight diagonally. I'm just ah. right across from one corner to the other.
1: So you go through, through what, Oklahoma or?
0: We went through Montana, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and then a little bit into Wyoming and just kind of zigzagged our way down seeing interesting points but it started with you and this other uh, two guys you might know their names they were in school and they decided to go from the magnetic north pole to the magnetic south pole without uh, engines
1: yeah and
0: uh, they sailed they rollerbladed they biked it was random as can be and they were in national geographic and man it was all these brits inspired us to
1: be honest <laughs> J- J- james hooper and rob gauntlet okay that's who it is i'm gonna write that down because i didn't yeah. know their name well the sad part is that james died a couple of years after doing that in a uh, in a very simple climbing accident no kidding yeah, just on a holiday, not even a sort of expedition climb, just climbing with a few buddies. Um, uh, yeah, he, he was really, really young.
0: You know, I think that now that you mention that, that does ring a bell about something. I think I yeah. looked them up afterwards and, oh man. Yeah, and we just had a tragedy in the mountains a few weeks ago in Canada. A couple of big name climbers got caught uh. in an avalanche and uh, yeah, it, it happened. That's terrible
1: yeah so, uh, that's that's an, another reason to stick to micro adventures <laughs> <laughs> you can come home to see
0: the kids and, and now yeah. you, know, you speaking of which you
1: have kids don't you i do they've be i've i've uh, i've had them entirely removed from my internet adventure life for many years is that is that intentional then it has been yeah just you know trying to make your career out of the internet is such a weird a weird thing to do and uh-huh you know, and building a brand around yourself, and to some extent having to sort of show off about yourself, and uh, and I have to be very careful not to start believing my own uh, BS. So, uh, so for, so I've been for various reasons, I really wanted to separate my real life uh, from my adventure online life. So I kept them very separate for that. Um, and I, but actually, the uh, just the the recent book that I've written is the first time I start to talk about. Uh, being a dad and the challenges of trying to combine being a good dad with with being an adventurous free spirit and the the, sometimes the seeming incompatibility of the two things so it's it has been it has been something that I kept away from the internet but I've started to think well actually this could be a useful conversation to talk to people about the swirl
0: of you know balancing who I think i am based on these trips i've done versus who i'm going to have to be now that's been a really interesting thought process and i'd love to hear from someone who's been down that road before and we, we do talk to a lot of guests that, that are going through that life transition now um, yeah but i mean is there anything you want to speak to that
1: yeah well i mean i i uh, i thought i could have it all so my theory was that i could be this cool exciting adventure guy who was continually off in the wilderness and also be this brilliant modern dad who was at home all the time. I hadn't quite figured out the, uh, the contradictions between those two things. And I certainly hugely underestimated the impact it would, would have on me. And, and I think because my adventure life has in many ways become my life, it feels very much my identity and who I am when I, stopped doing a lot of that stuff because i was becoming a dad then i i really felt a huge loss of identity and really spent a long time struggling to figure out okay if i'm not that anymore then what am i who am i so i've uh, and the micro adventures was one of my main ways of trying to figure out how it could still try and live adventurously but also domestically um Yeah, I certainly, I think, well, you're in for a big shock. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, I'm preparing for the worst. Yeah. Well, no, no, (laughs) I hope, hope for the best. I mean, it's been without a doubt, the greatest adventure of my life. Um, But uh, it certainly gets in the way of uh, big adventure plans or, well, actually, or you take them with you depending on your choice of life. But in my case, it's certainly got in the way of big adventures. Um, And then you just have to start looking differently at adventure. Interesting.
0: Yeah, because you, you, I've read a lot um, of your stuff and your blog and some things you've written. Uh, y- you enjoy having those two different lives, like life in London and life on the road and adventure, correct?
1: Yes, exactly. So I really, ha- you
0: haven't in- intentionally integrated the two.
1: Yeah, I really, I enjoy the, the different sides of life. Um, also, uh, my wife, she she only enjoys one of the sides of life she thinks the adventure and sleeping in the tent is a stupid thing to do (laughs) Uh, so she doesn't
0: go camping or anything
1: no she's got more sense
0: (laughs) oh man (laughs) i man i'm so glad you said that that's interesting that you know the pinnacle of the adventure world in a lot of ways you are a, a big figure in that has chosen that something like that
1: yeah there's well gosh there's a heck of a lot more to life than uh Going on an adventure—that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, I and I de- and I certainly enjoy the the variety of aspects in my life. Whether that's being in big cities, I love big, crazy, noisy cities, and then I love being in the mountains away from big cities. So, um, I think I lo- I think the variety of life is what I enjoy, and that's also been reflected in the the different adventures I've done over the years. I never chose to become, say, a specialist mountaineer, just climbing ever harder mountains. I've, I've preferred to be a bit of a jack of all trades, doing some biking, doing some running, doing some hiking, different kinds of different kinds of trips. I think, yeah, the variety of life is what I like the most.
0: Do you think it's different for somebody who's only had micro adventures to have that same sense of true adventure like you've had. I mean, I'm going to go into more detail in the intro of this about your background. um, Because I know you have a billion accolades we could talk about, (laughs) but you know, you have those huge, huge year, year long, multi-year long experiences. And now you have micro adventures to, to sip on, to, to experience. Do you, how do you think it'd be different for somebody who's never had that big experience to start it
1: all off? Well, You know, I think micro-adventures have been a brilliant part of life for lots of people. And there's, you know, a lot of the joy I've had from the big journeys you can get from cycling for a weekend or hiking for a weekend or camping out for a couple of nights. So a huge percentage of of the benefits of adventure you can squeeze in around the margins of of real life. And I've been really trying to champion that. However, (laughs) there's no doubt that that can't compare really to this sense of enormative, say, being on the road for four years nonstop, or being in a little rowing boat a thousand miles from land in a storm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, there's a there's a sense of epicness and scale to that that you can't get in small things. But uh, and and so I'm endlessly grateful for having had those opportunities and seized the opportunities to do those big trips. Um, yeah there's something pretty epic about doing something pretty epic uh but on the other hand it's not something that is often achievable and therefore I think you we just need to do what we can with what we have and do it now as one of your wiser presidents once said
0: absolutely yeah a good, a good president at that yeah you know that's interesting um having been able to do the you know a lot of people probably told you that was a once in a lifetime experience um at the time did you believe that and that now do you say yeah that that probably is true life life gets complicated quickly
1: i think when i was when i was um cycling around the world those four years in my late 20s i think i anticipated then that i would to some degree or another spend the rest of my life being some sort of wild man, <laughs> whether on the road or living in strange and crazy countries, um I certainly anticipated that was what i what my life would be uh, I definitely didn't expect that I would have a a shed and a mortgage and two kids um but then again, if you'd asked me my life when I was ten, I'd have probably spent said that. I anticipate spending the whole of my life eating ice cream and watching cartoons on TV. So uh, what, what we're after in life ch- changes over time as well, doesn't it?
0: Athletic brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or, you know, if, you, if you're if you babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens, I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer, this is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories. With IPA, golden ales, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings, athletic brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste. Uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, If you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging, and you can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. Absolutely. And speaking of that, you've mentioned before that your your career has been non-strategic in just kind of how it's unfolded has that changed at all now that you have more
1: responsibility? Yeah, I think it's, I get a bit torn in life between trying to plan so that you can head in a direction you want to be going in life because you can't get everything you want right now. And a lot of things you have to work towards for, for many years. So in my case, that's making a living out of the adventure stuff. So there's a case, there's a case for planning ahead. But there's also the argument of you don't know what you're going to want to do in life in 10 years. So you should get on with what feels important and exciting and meaningful right now and just try and do your best to not close off too many avenues through those decisions. So in my case, that meant years ago, I thought I love adventure stuff and I really don't want to sit in an office. So I'll just go and do a load of talks to schools and elementary schools and high schools and earn enough money just to stay alive while I write a book (laughs) because that's what I want to do right now with my life. And then that has progressed from doing school talks and writing magazine articles to now just making my whole living out of doing adventure stuff. But with the slight pressure now that I need to pay for uh, pay for a mortgage uh and middle age my first ever prescription reading glasses so yeah your needs change <laughs> the, the needs of the reasons why you're doing your work i suppose change over time but the, i still wake up with the same joy and excitement of thinking wow great it's a day in the office today i absolutely love what i do wow so, so
0: i mean this i don't know if this is a, a front or just how you come across are you a, are you a happy
1: person truly <laughs> um I'm very happy when I'm doing stuff that makes me very happy, and then I'm quite grumpy when I'm doing stuff that makes me grumpy. And that that sounds like a bit of a, so you're, you're like, the rest like of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds like a stupid answer, but actually, it's really true for my life. You know, everyone, um, pretty much, where well, anyone who's listening to this, unless they actually know me, will only have heard me talking with enthusiasm about adventure and travel and stuff like that. People who know me in my real life will. Sometimes be surprised by how much I, how enthusiastic I sound here, because back home I'm grumbling away about boring real life stuff. So interest rates and insurance plans, yeah. Oh, I'm 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 not sure I'm quite that boring, but yeah, that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, things that have to be dealt with. Yes, one one of the best things I did, but I did it years too late, was spending money on a accountant. Uh, rather than trying to do all that complicated stuff myself, so now I just pay her what she asks me to pay her, and I pay the government what she tells me to pay the government, and I trust her, and it's <laughs> and it's freed up my brain and so many happiness percentage points.
0: Thankfully, my <laughs> wife is not such a, not so ag- phobic of all these responsible things. So she's able to handle a lot of that. And man, the value of having a partner that that can fill those gaps is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you're, you're building this, you're, you've built this uh, career. It's kind of like all on your shoulders. Do you ever feel like, have you ever wanted to throw in the towel and say, this is just too hard? Or has it been a... Steady, consistent climb for you because it's hard to tell for us. You know what I mean. You're the one that's going through it all.
1: Um, I guess you know for quite a few years, like anyone starting out, I had a lot of worries about money and crikey, is it possible to earn enough money from talking about myself to make this viable? (laughs) Can can I make this work? Can I make it work? And it's it's become a great relief now that I've got to a a nicely happy, sustainable point whereby I'm pretty sure that I, as long as I keep doing this, I can pay the bills. And that's great. That's a huge relief. Every so often, though, I think, wow, I've been doing the same thing for about 20 years now. Maybe it's time to go and become a, a carpenter or a fireman or, or something like that. So every so often I consider that I should go and do a big change. But then the trouble is I can never think of anything that is so much fun and uh, so it requires so little actual hard work uh, as what I'm doing now and therefore I just keep doing what I'm doing um, and the third aspect of me thinking that is a a, a serious one in that it's like the that old the old story of the golden goose you know i I'm the golden goose of my life and my business so in order for me to have a living I need to keep doing interesting stuff and <laughs> writing and talking about it and that means that when I'm 60 I might have to go and Sleep in a tent on some mountainside when I'd ro- much rather be sitting on the sofa watching TV. So I'm conscious that it's I'm kind of playing a young man's game with no uh, with no exit strategy. It's like a
0: beautiful bartender that begins to age. You know, so, sometimes a younger, prettier person's going to step in one day and kick you out of your job.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I I've started to do quite a few bits of work for different brands now so making films for them or stuff like that and i just had my first rejection this year on the grounds of i don't appeal to millennials <laughs> uh, really which is a,
0: what was that about
1: uh, it was some some brand wanted to you know showcase their product and they decided that if i was doing it that wouldn't appeal to millennials so that was my first wake-up call that uh, i'm getting old Wow man
0: that is funny you say that we had some young guys on the show a couple weeks ago and we heard from all these high school and college kids saying wow it was so refreshing to have a young person on the show and i'm thinking hey i'm not old like what are you talking about i'm still i'm still young but i'm like yeah to them we're talking to a bunch of mid 30s maybe early 40s year olds and to me that's not old but you know to them it it seems like a a a lifetime away yeah, I'm sorry. How did that rejection feel?
1: Uh, uh, I think I'm too old to to care about things like <laughs> that. But it was it was it did make me realise what you're just saying that the the sort of people who are interested in the stuff I talk about, I think a large number of them have grown up with me. They've started reading my stuff when I was cycling around the world, and then I've got older as they've got older, and uh, and it did make me think. I wonder whether. 18 to 25 year olds have much interest in what I say and if not does that matter uh, or should I try and change and I and pretty much the answer I came up with is what I always come up with and I'm not sure if that's because it's a good answer I'm because it or it's because I'm lazy but the answer was I think I just need to keep doing what I do do it because do it for the reasons that feel important to me, not for other people's reasons. Keep doing it as well as I possibly can, and then hopefully everything will work out all right. And generally, when I've stuck to that policy, uh, things have gone well. The times when I've tried to chase fame or fortune are when it generally doesn't go so well, and I end up hating myself. Yeah,
0: I would totally agree. Don't try too hard to be someone you're not, for somebody you're not, because, man... You know, maybe you won't appeal to millennials or, or whoever's next, but you know what? What if you're going to be working on the middle-aged crowd right now? I promise you, there is an endless market for angsty parents who want more adventure in their life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's—I mean, every other mic- one I talk to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And micro adventures—the whole world of micro adventures has opened that up to me so clearly. Um, and I've actually, I've actually recently started a new email newsletter, uh, called living adventurously, which is me trying to figure out my own life, I guess, but just articulating it through newsletters about trying to just live adventurously within the constraints of normal, real life. And the, the emails I've been getting in response to that, they, they definitely show me that there is a large market of, um, frustrated adventurers out there. Absolutely. We, uh. We we've had some guests
0: talk about you know going transitioning from adventure to more professional life and why that's not a bad thing and why that's you know their their desires change in time and that is just something I guarantee the twenty five year old version of you could never understand at twenty five.
1: Well, exactly. I, mean, I I've recently. Um spent a month busking through spain and consider that one of the greatest adventures of my life the 25 year old version of me would have completely sneered at such a pathetic wimpish non-hardcore um pretense of an expedition (laughs) so yeah i'm very very conscious (laughs) very conscious of that that's that's man that's funny
0: so (laughs) so with not appealing to millennials uh However, you're you're pretty active on social media. How has social media changed what you do? Um, well, it's, it's a little vague. I <laughs> No, it's
1: not. It, no, it's not. It's not vague at all. the The internet has totally has completely facilitated me turning my hobby into my job. And i i I started my blog, although it wasn't called a blog, then I started it in the year two thousand and one. So I've seen a lot of transition periods for how people use the internet and social media coming in say the last 10 years has has for me had a lot of advantages and disadvantages the chief disadvantage in my mind is the complete race to the bottom in terms of shorter attention spans less challenging articles easier things to write just a dumbing down of stories i've i found i find that frustrating Um, and and yet the good side of it, of course, is there's this endless appetite for content and the potential to find your exact little niche of people. So I'm not going to appeal to a million people, but I perhaps appeal to thousands of people who are looking for exactly the same sort of stuff that I'm looking for. And in that sense, it's an absolute gem of a of a thing for for making this choice of lifestyle viable. Um, my, one of the main difficulties is to try to remember why I'm doing adventures as in when I'm up on a hilltop, I should be out there because I want to do it, not just because it'll look great on Instagram. And, uh, and the second aspect of it, which we touched on earlier is I need to remember that, uh, social media is not real life and I should not necessarily believe everything i see or even put on social media and just keep myself grounded in reality a little bit more um, is that something you struggle with no it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons why i've chosen so vehemently to separate my real life from my internet life you know there's huge amounts of things that i do in my life that it just never occurs to me to get out my phone and tweet about and i'm really glad of that separation thing so so the only struggle comes really when i'm out doing something vaguely adventurous that's when i'm starting to think in the back of my mind i'm thinking hang on this isn't just a bike ride this is work and then and then the uh, and then my brain starts worrying about oh, i should try and tell some sort of story about this um, which is a bit annoying but it's it's a heck of a lot better than most day jobs i'm very aware of that Wow, man! I, I didn't know that was
0: an intentional thing for you. Because I'll, I'll be honest, until I started researching for this interview, I did not know you were married and had kids.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I and I've uh, deliberately kept them um, com- completely apart, really, just for some sort of sanity thing. And actually, how do they feel about it? Uh, they feel fine. Yeah, it's a uh, they. You know, my uh, my wife doesn't write about me on her office LinkedIn page so i don't i don't, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't feel too sad about that it, the, the, the change to me really was a couple of things one was I was noticing increasing numbers of people yearning to do adventures yearning for micro-adventure stuff that sort of thing but struggling because of the constraints of real life of you know family family commitments essentially and and I realized that I was in a position to try and perhaps help these people if by talking about that and yet i never had chosen to do so and the second part um was was um as i was writing my book about spain which was on the one hand it's a simple adventure story of busking through spain with no money but i was but to leave it as only that was missing out a huge part of why i did the trip and why it was important to me which was as a way of me trying to to try and um resolve a lot of these conflicts and dilemmas and being pulled in lots of directions that I was facing in my own life and that trip was a way of me trying to consolidate it all and sort my head out and uh, and accept that middle age had fully arrived and so writing that in the book forced me really to think right well I just need to now tell the world about this sort of stuff it's, uh, it's, um, and that and what I have to do now is make sure that I keep a separation in my head from Work in real life still.
0: What, what is what is busking? I'm not familiar
1: with that term. Oh, sorry. Busking. Busking is um um when you stand up in the street and play a musical instrument and someone gives you money.
0: Oh, so like panhandling or like a street performers. We call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. yeah. I didn't so, know. So that. what
1: did you do? Okay, well that's interesting. I need to translate this for my. Uh, for my that American might be breathy. a term.
0: I, I definitely know people that do that. I just never heard that term before.
1: Okay, yeah. so I decide. So my favorite travel book from about a guy eighty years ago walked through Spain playing his violin, and I've always loved that book and wanted to do it, but I can't play the violin, and the idea of performing in public terrifies me. It's like one of my deepest fears, up there with karaoke. So, so I decided that as a way of trying to again, change the way I look at what adventure means to me rather than just going off to do some tough guy adventure thing, what I should really do was something that really scared me and really was filled with risk and the chance of failure, which was to go and busk to play my violin through Spain for a month, and to make it spicy, uh, to do it without a wallet or credit card and only surviving from the money I earned from my very, very bad violin playing. So you can't play? <laughs> no, did, I'm really do people pay you to stop playing. <laughs> well, yeah, I am that kind of. I'm as bad as that is what you'd expect. I really, yeah, uh, you know, I I did seven months of lessons before I set off, which for the violin is really not very much practice at all. So I could play five songs of about twenty seconds each. Um, and they were very, 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 very bad indeed. Uh, people would walk down the street in Spain looking at me with this strange look on their face of, "What on earth are you doing? You're you're clearly not from Spain. So what are you doing in our country playing this terrible attempt at music?" It was a, it was very, very embarrassing, nerve wracking, but quite amusing experience. That had to be
0: terrifying.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I find it really interesting how standing up and playing a musical instrument in a in a little village in spain to many people sounds as scary as getting on a bike and cycling across a continent if not more so and it really gets into the heart of the stuff that so often stops us doing the adventures we want to do which isn't the practical constraints of not having a good backpack it's more the fears and worries and what will people think about me or people like me shouldn't be doing this i'm a grown man i should be doing a spreadsheet or something, these, these inner fears and vulnerabilities that stop us doing so many stuff, so much stuff that, that I think was at the heart of this uh, hike through Spain.
0: So one of the best things you can do before an event or an adventure is get a good night's sleep. And to have a mattress that is specifically tailored to adventure athletes is even better. A lot of folks don't realize the quality of a great night's sleep and Bear Mattress has recognized that. And they are building mattresses specifically for athletes. And they have been named the best mattress for athletes by Sports Illustrated. They have over 5,000 five-star reviews and developed this technology called Salient to help you get the best night's sleep possible. They ship right to your front door. And if you don't absolutely love it, after 100 nights, you can get 100% of your money back. So give it a shot at bearmattress.com slash adventure. And that is B E A R like the animal mattress.com slash adventure. So don't wait so that you can start performing your best after you're sleeping your best with the bear mattress difference. You know, I I wasn't aware that, I mean, I I read that you did that, but I didn't take the time to look up the word because I wanted to ask you, man, that is, that is an adventure. That's a true adventure. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah. it, for you, and I understand this, and a lot of our listeners understand it, at some point riding a hundred miles on the bike through a desolate highway does not be it's not an adventure anymore because you're so used to it and it hasn't it's not challenging you anymore in a lot of ways. Whereas that holy cow, you know, it's short enough to not be gone from family too long, but long enough that you really are into it. And you're doing something every day that's so uncomfortable, but you have to do it to continue. You don't have another way of continuing (laughs) because you don't have any money.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. An interesting part of it was, you know, I walked 500 miles from the north coast of Spain to Madrid. And uh, and I I slept out every night because obviously I could never afford a hotel. But so... Conventionally, walking five hundred miles and sleeping out every night, conventionally, that would be what people consider an adventure. Absolutely. But I noticed that none of that crossed my mind until the first day when I was in Spain and I opened the map for the first time, thought, right, I've got a walk to do. It had not even crossed my mind. And that's exactly as you say, because that's easy for me. I've I've done that many times in my life, and my my brain was totally filled instead with the thought of having to stand up in a quiet beautiful little village square and play to try and earn a euro to buy a loaf of bread so yeah it's a i think the 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 things that we do as adventurous people i think it's interesting for us to ask ourselves is this still adventurous or am i actually just stuck in a, a different sort of rut and in a different sort of comfort zone
0: were you ever standing out there with the violin screeching in your ear and you look around as a 40 year old man and say what the hell am I doing out here?
1: Yeah. And that was one of, <laughs> it was one of the main reasons I did it. And you know, I was a 39 year old man. So I was oh, on the, my cusp. apologies, my apologies. But that's, it's an important, it's an important point because I was approaching 40 and I was you know worried about the best years of my life being behind me and all that sort of classic midlife crisis stuff. And So, yeah, a lot of the the whole trip was me asking, what the heck am I doing? Um, And then specifically, yeah, standing in a square looking like an absolute idiot was so embarrassing. But uh, that was kind of the reason I wanted to do it, just to try and shake off the shackles a bit and uh, be a bit more liberated with life. And so did it do that? Oh, it was absolutely wonderful. You know, I was so, when the first day I thought this is a disaster and then eventually this, this kind old gentleman handed me a euro. I earned some money on my very first day and it was the most thrilling way I've ever earned money. It was incredible and from then on the whole month was just completely filled with joy and excitement and thinking, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for in my life. It's It's uh, adventurous, but in a a different way to what I've done before. It's really challenging me, but in a fresh way. And it's because I was earning so little money. I'm also living incredibly simply, the simplest food. And then all I have to do every day is walk 20, 25 miles and find a hill to sleep on at night. And the sense at the end of the day of thinking, wow, I've done everything that the day asks of me. And I'm now sleeping out under the stars. It was just a a joyful brilliant wonderful adventure
0: that that is that is adventure that is it's it's completely out of your comfort zone for most of it it seems like it's you, you you're not an expert in any of that but you know any anyone can just start walking anyone can start doing something so simple but adding all those elements of not bringing your own money. Yeah, man, that's exactly what adventure is. So so is it safe to say you're not going to ever be the type of person that needs to climb Mount Everest to complete their adventure resume?
1: Uh, You know, I spent, I spent five years trying to do a very, very big and difficult expedition to the South pole. And in the end I had to pull out of that because I had two little kids came along and uh, it's, didn't seem the right thing to do. So, so that I'd be lying if I said that doesn't sit in my mind as a significant regret for you know, not having done this big, elite challenge that I I set my heart on for so many years. But on the other hand, you know, time moves on as we've talked about, and these days I'm I'm very happy climbing trees around England. Uh, I'm trying to trying to um, get my adventure kicks without flying as much as possible these days, and just. Sw- swimming in beautiful rivers, climbing trees, reading good books. I think maybe I'm finally growing up.
0: There's an element of simplicity in all that.
1: Yeah, I think I think um I'm dating all the way back to when I spent 4 years on the road just wearing literally wearing the same shirt every single day till it rotted apart. I've I've noticed that when there is simplicity and purpose in my life that things are generally seem to be heading in a good direction and it's when things get when i when i head away from that path that uh, that i get less content i think
0: yeah i think i've seen in in pictures it might be in your shed there was a quote on the wall that said the best things in life are simple but not easy
1: yes well i'm yeah i'm a very big fan of uh, of that of the difference between the words simple and easy i think that that's summed up a, a good adventures one that's simple but not easy as well i i think i strongly believe that
0: what, what what part of building a career and continuing a career what part do you like the least with uh
1: with what the work that you do okay that's a really good question uh the parts i like the least are the admin so uh, taxes and accounts uh answering lots of emails um yeah sorry for that <laughs> yeah so i I, dis- I dislike that side um having to sell stuff so you know, I spent the whole day yesterday trying to work out a social media blitz for trying to sell my book. And man, I didn't really enjoy doing that. So um, I think I enjoy pretty much everything else. But uh, I sometimes get a bit weary and worried that uh, my greatest stories are in the past. And I still have to tell people about that time when I cycle around the world. 20 years ago um and it's coming up on
0: 20 years since you started that trip i mean it's a few years from now but
1: yeah no yes 18 years now yeah this summer will be 18 years gosh so that that means i've been talking about cycling around the world for lots more times than i actually do it i feel a bit like the rock star who goes on stage and has to keep the crowd happy with his greatest hit because no one really cares about his his artistic new album (laughs) right
0: (laughs) <laughs> right. It, you know that's fascinating because you, there's something there's definitely a, a stigma of like living in the past and all that but it's it's such a man it's so amazing out there and the things you've seen are so incredible. It's hard not to spend a lifetime talking about it because that's almost how long it takes to process the whole thing.
1: Yeah, so that's a kind way that's a kind way of putting things. I think the problem I had was once I started to label myself as an adventurer for quite a lot of years, I only felt as good as my next adventure. so what I'd done in the past didn't really seem to matter to me. The important thing to me and pretty much every interview I ever did was what's next, what's next, what's next. And I felt this pressure on myself and from and perhaps perceived but from from society at large that I was only still interesting if I had something epic in the pipeline, and I and I didn't like that aspect of of trying to be an adventurer uh, for quite a number of years. I think the Spain trip was quite a cathartic experience for that, in me being able to say, "Hey, actually, I'm not going to cycle around the world again for another four years." And if if uh, if that bothers you, then I'm sorry, but that's that times are changing. Yeah, times are
0: changing, man. So for for you with the times changing um what is in your pipeline what are you excited about right now
1: Um I'm really enjoying writing I mean writing's always been what I've loved and for, for so many years I mean, I've written 11 books now but I still yeah. don't feel like a writer uh, at all I always think that's what I enjoy doing but you know I get paid from doing talks at conferences not from being a writer And I had a bit of a mental breakthrough uh, around the end of last year when I asked myself, why don't I just consider myself a writer, make that, declare to myself, I am a writer, and then see what I have to do in order to try and make that happen. So I'm now more committed to trying to be a writer, to write more books. Um, And the the book, I've started to write a book now about living adventurously, but I've decided that as I write each chapter... I'm going to stick it online as an email newsletter. So I'm kind of giving away my book for free live whilst I'm writing it and people can follow that along and it's a good pressure for me to get on and write it. Um, And I'm enjoying doing, doing it as a sort of more open source project. So I'm just trying to find different ways to, to write that are hopefully interesting and hopefully useful. And that's, and that combined with some, exploration, micro adventures and small adventures close to home seems to be keeping me happy these days. That's
0: great, man. That's great to hear that the changes in life, they're necessary and they're not a bad thing. And those things that are so amazing to people. No, I, I just think a lot of people are going through that, to be honest. A lot of people that were very adventurous early on and maybe realized, I feel like, you know, you start out, this is how I put it, it's like you're in a rowboat. It's really easy to control, but it's only capable of so much. And as life goes on, you build up families, all this, you know, this brand almost this this following this uh these experiences and it's almost by the end of it you're in this cruise ship to where any turn takes so much longer and so much more calculation, but it's also capable of so much more. But it's not as agile as you were before where I could just say break up with my girlfriend and bike around the world for four years, you know, with $10,000. <laughs> yes. But it's, they're, they're both beautiful things. Um Man, that's very interesting. So, so, so with being a dad, uh, what do you hope for your kids to do with their life? What do you hope that they see from you and and that they do?
1: Well, one of the reasons that I decided to go do this Spain trip was I hadn't done any sort of decent adventure for a few years and i I was trying to you know I'd I like them to be curious and wild and bold with their lives whatever direction they go down but I realized I was I had kind of stopped living that way myself so going to do that Spain trip was a bit of a demonstration to them as well as to myself that I could I could still try and live adventurously um so that yeah that's all I want from them really is to to choose their path consciously, not just follow the herd, choose the direction they want to go, and then do so with great enthusiasm and to be as weird and curious and wild as they dare to be.
0: Do you ever see yourself going with them or them going with you, doing something together?
1: Yeah, that would be great. I mean, my my son's current ambition is to become a professional uh, soccer player, so I spend most of my life at the moment driving him for practice we've 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 struck a deal if he gets into the premier league then he's going to give me a million bucks to pay for taxi there. so (laughs) so i'm kind of hoping he just becomes a football player and then i can retire on his wages
0: hey wouldn't that be nice and isn't that the dream of every young boy and girl to to be something huge like that which i think is where it, it
1: starts yeah exactly and then you know in reality given that the poor kid has got my sporting genes, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be a professional athlete. And all <laughs> I all I hope then is that when that f- crushing disappointment settles in, he uh, doesn't settle down for a boring life of mediocrity, but instead sets off on some other uh, crazy ambitious dream and sees what direction that takes him in. Yeah.
0: I will say on the really hard days, that boring life of mediocrity does sound pretty appealing
1: sometimes. There's a there's a huge amounts to it that uh, to be there's a lot of good things to it. Um, The main thing I would urge is that it is done by choice. You know, you're choosing. Right. I want to do this for whatever stability, happiness, blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, But making it an actual conscious choice, I think, is a really important part of uh, of what, what I what I. Yeah, I think you've got to choose the direction as much as you're able to do so.
0: You look at someone's life and see, man, I would love that stability. I would love, I would love just to look forward to cooking out with the family this weekend, rather than trying to, you know, do so many interviews or so many speaking engagements or write this much of the book and just let someone else essentially pay my bills for me. Um, but yeah, a lot of the people don't choose that, and they feel stuck in that, which it's, you know, it's all, I guess, relative.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I've certainly learned over the last number of years to not to not make the mistake of judging someone's life by what you see from the outside of it. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's times in everyone's life where they're wishing I could do this. I wish I could do that. But I think you're on a pretty good path and you've got the biggest adventure of all coming up, becoming a dad. Um, Yeah, you've got some uh, adventures ahead of you.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. And I will say something about it seems so common, like it's not an adventure. Everybody does this. Did you did you feel that way? Let's just say
1: I spectacularly underestimated it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel that uh, I feel that I'm going to be in for it then. Oh, man. Get get
1: some sleep. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) No, no, we already struggle with that. Okay, the only bit of sensible, I I have no sensible advice to offer anyone on this subject, except one thing I began a week before my son was born was a website called Mail Diary. And you get an email from them every day or every week, whatever you want, and you just reply with a couple of lines and it forms a diary. And I've been and when you first do it, it's not that interesting, but I've been doing it most days for about a decade now. And that's built up into a huge treasure chove so like anything you start with something small do it regularly and it turns into something big and big and meaningful in the long run so yeah i'd sign up for that if i was you that's a great idea that's wonderful
0: so speaking of which um how can listeners learn more about you and your your most recent project your book uh just go ahead and plug that
1: okay so what i would love people to do one is to buy my new book um or listen to the audio book it's called my midsummer morning and it's on all the usual places you can get books. And then sign up for my new newsletter, which is called Living Adventurously. You can find that on my website. Um, and then I'm on all the social media things as Al Humphreys.
0: Perfect. Well, any any parting words of wisdom? I, I really appreciate you being on,
1: by the way. Uh, oof, I just think you need to go climb that hill behind your house and get some sleep in the next couple of weeks. That's my advice for life.
0: <laughs> That's... That's a great place to start. All right. Well, you got a tree to climb, and I don't want to take up more of your afternoon. Alistair, man, I, I really appreciate it. You have uh, you've definitely been a huge inspiration in my story and my my best friend's story, who just texted me, and uh, you changed a lot about our lives and our and in coming from that, our
1: family's lives. So, thank you. That's very nice to hear. That's very kind. I'll send you a photo from up my tree. <laughs>
0: okay. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, have fun. Cheers, Mason. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes. Share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com, where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear, as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.